Discover how video can help you achieve your sales and marketing goals. It all starts right here in Todd Hartley's Video Marketing Mastery. In this episode of the Toddcast, it's episode 420. And what do you think of? Of course, weed. So who better to talk with and have a little heart-to-heart conversation than Wirebuzz creative strategist, Kaysen James. Kaysen, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Todd. I'm so excited to have this conversation yeah. with you. Yeah. All right, so look, there's a lot of stigma around weed in general. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. We're gonna talk about the legalization for recreational use here in Arizona, but we're also gonna talk about a developing industry that's happening right before our very eyes. Now, Kaysen, why do you think there's so much stigma around the weed topic still, even though in a lot of areas it's been legalized? So the conversation of stigma is honestly a loaded question and it's a little bit of a rabbit hole so do you mind if I take no the rabbit jump hole? on it it's interesting <laughs> perfect um, so currently the cannabis industry is actually 21 billion dollars globally it's huge mm-hmm. um, cannabis got its start in the Middle East and Eastern hemispheres um, Israel most people don't know this that's actually the oldest global market for cannabis um, and it's currently becoming recreational this year there um, but it was really a, a spiritual thing. It started in the Middle East and India. So specifically in India, they used to infuse bong, and they still do, the bong drink with cannabis um, to achieve higher states of consciousness. They, they mm-hmm. talk about getting high, it's, it's that. Um, and some people actually believe that different cannabis strains hold different frequencies. Mm-hmm. So when you smoke, you tune into that level of enlightenment. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Medical marijuana came over to the Western Hemisphere because an English doctor was traveling in India in the late 1800s, and the British Indian government started to do some medical marijuana testing. Um, So once it caught over there, the English doctor brought it back to Europe, and then they brought it back to the Americas. Um, Some of the stigma really comes from, though, the migration of cannabis actually from the Mexican-American border. Um, So in the early 1900s, during the Mexican Revolution, recreational cannabis use was prevalent. Um, And because of that, it just got a really bad rap as like a a bad drug as opposed to this ancient spiritual practice. Um, And even though like cannabis and hemp has really been an economic staple of our globe since the beginning of time, um, this misuse really poisoned our mindset about it. Um, So you've seen kind of a lot of this back and forth from it. And personally, I I think there's a duality to all things in life. Um, I like to think of like a hammer where depending on whose hand it's in, it's either a really useful tool or it's a weapon. Right. Either way, it's putting a nail in your coffin. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And kind of same thing goes with cannabis in terms of depending on how you're using it, it's maybe a little bit productively destructive, or it's great pain relief. Um, The root of this industry is medical marijuana. It's always been an alternative medicine. And even in today, though, though I think we're up to 33 states that have either decriminalized it or like medical or fully recreational. There's only six where it's still illegal. So I think federal legalization is just a matter of time. Um, but, But really, it's all about serving patients 
and you used to be a restaurant server. Yep. And when I was a butt tender, that was that was the root of it. It was it was serving people, and I mm-hmm. loved helping people and facilitating the right products, getting it in the right hands, and really helping them live live a better quality of life. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I've noticed that right now we're actually watching the birth of an industry, like right before our eyes we're watching. And throughout our lives, we've just, when we were born, industries were already taking off, but because of prohibition, this industry right now is developing new tinctures and new strains and new products and new creams and CBD comes out of it. Like there's all these things that are just starting to happen because this industry is being born. Can we take a couple of steps? Like, what was your experience working in California, which was legalized a lot earlier than where we are in Arizona? What was that experience like, and how long did it, does it normally take for it to be normalized in a culture? So, I would say it probably took about 10 years from going medical to fully recreational and now what it is in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was 18 and I first got my medical card, I would have to walk up to the stairs, like this little hole in the yeah. wall spot and with the brown paper bag, yeah. it was super discreet. And now it's like, you go to a dispensary and you buy swag. Right. <laughs> right. You know, you, you rock all the brands. Wait a second, can we just pump the brakes right here yes. for a second? Something tells me that when you start purchasing swag, it's already gone a bit mainstream or maybe should I say you're showing off the brand, whatever it is, because you want to associate with it. Maybe that's the indicator when it starts to go mainstream. Yeah, no, I I think that there is a huge shift in building of cannabis culture. And even on LinkedIn, surprisingly, the B2B cannabis community on LinkedIn is popping right now. Um, Really? Yeah, 100% use the hashtag cannabis community. You'll find a whole bunch of people Pardon me for one moment, yes. but inquiring minds probably wonder, as the business owner, is that what Kaysen is doing in the <laughs> middle of a workday on LinkedIn? I just kid, but still, <laughs> it's interesting to watch these things develop and also see what platforms start allowing it, because I think Facebook doesn't allow conversations around it. It's interesting. Yeah, Facebook, like a lot of healthcare industries actually, I mean, last year during COVID, the reason why the cannabis industry grew so much was because it was deemed essential under health services. So it is an alternative health, but all these things are highly regulated. Um, it's kind of similar to like alcohol advertising on Facebook where mm-hmm. you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you can't really talk about it the same way that you would. Mm-hmm. But with LinkedIn, it seems that a lot of these B2B professionals are developing their bridges and growing their network and connecting that way. Um, so it's it's really become actually saturated with a lot of Silicon Valley people and investors. It's very much a red ocean right now. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me. Like in Arizona where we live, uh, it became legalized for recreational use maybe five, six months ago. And it's projected to be about a $400 million Arizona business. We have a couple of clients in the space that we've advised over the years. In fact, one of them paid with a bag of cash directly to the office, which we weren't allowed to take, and that's a whole nother podcast episode. And then a client in the past that I gave some advice to asked if they could pay me in weed, in product. And I thought about it for a moment. I was like, 
what am I going to do with eight grand worth of weed besides compete with them? That's probably not a good use. I'll take the money. <laughs> so it's like interesting to watch these industries kind of develop. Um, should Wirebuzz open itself up to servicing cannabis businesses? What do you think? So I think there's a world of opportunity for persona-based marketing and cannabis. And Is this B2C? Both. B2C, okay, because I agree. B2B. I think there's B2B play, and too. I'm about to take you down the persona rabbit hole right now. All right, so let's do it. Good. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> For those of you that are uh, followers of the Toddcast, you know that we love to nerd out on customer journeys and the persona path. So think about everything that I've been teaching you over the 419 previous episodes. And this one, we're going to walk down a, a, a smoke-filled rabbit hole that Kaysen's going to tell us about. Give us the lowdown on the personas. Cool. So as a marketer, I was geeking out when I was a bud tender because every single person that came through, yeah. I was profiling them yeah. as a persona. And speaking about B to C right now, I would say there's probably six or seven very specific personas that I would qualify. Um, Number one is the can of sort. Pardon me, B to C. B to C. Okay, these are people that are going up to patients, a counter. Customers. Patients, customers, recreational users. Woo! <laughs> that Kaysen has profiled that would be perfect segmentation for different marketing language. Yes. Okay. Yes. So You proud of me? I am. <laughs> so the first pro persona is the can of sort. So this is the person that needs to know what farm it's from, what's the percentage, what's the terpene profile. They won't spend less than $50 on an mm -hmm. aid that has to be top shelf. Um, they just want to like try the next greatest like cool genetic strain. Um, the, the second person, I call them the cannonaut. Mm -hmm. So the cannonaut, like the cosmonaut, they just want to get as high as possible. Typical stoner, give me the strongest stuff that you got. Um, Number three, I like to call her the candy granny. Uh -huh. <laughs> and there's, there's two candy grannies. So the first one is like that 55 plus up woman who just got arthritis. She needs some pain relief, hasn't smoked a J since college, and yeah. is very nervous to try it again, but is super interested in all the topicals, transdermals, more of the, the low grade stuff. But interested at a novice level, that is a candy granny one. One. Okay. Canny Granny 2 is the <laughs> chronic user <laughs> who is ritual about it for pain relief yeah. and will come in about every 8 to 12 weeks and drop $500 yep. on a stash so she can make her own like high-grade tinctures and all that. Um, number four, I call them just the canna virgin because it's somebody that has never done it before. Mm -hmm. They're open-minded. They want to try it. I would always advise, hey, start low go slow, just start with the pre-roll, see what it's like. You always want to upsell CBD with it because interestingly, CBD actually blocks THC in the system. So if you get a little too high, have some CBD on hand and it'll be good. <laughs> so the, okay, so those are, are those all the personas? No. Okay, thank you. I knew there was a couple more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, so the next one, I call them the cannabis professional because they would come in from like downtown on their lunch break. All they'd want is like a low key J to take some stress off of their day. Mm -hmm. um, these people typically gravitates towards like hybrid or sativa is more of like 
the focus strains yeah. because it kind of helps them with their mindset, right? What is that one called? Uh, sativa. No, I'm sorry. Oh. What is the persona called again? Uh, the Cannabis Professional. Cannabis Professional. Okay, I like that one. <laughs> That's good. The next one is the Canna Biohacker. Okay. So this is the person that comes in and actually uses it for their fitness routine. Mm -hmm. In recent years, it has really taken off within the fitness community. Um, THC is an analgesic. It's a muscle relaxant, so it helps with yoga, stretching, takes a little bit of the, the pain, the soreness off after workouts. Um, there's a brand called Papa and Barkley that does bath soaks. So you can get Epsom salts with THC in it, which is really great for your mm -hmm. muscles. And then the other thing that most people don't realize is that THC helps control your blood sugar. So if you're on the keto diet, if you're diabetic, you're trying to lose weight, it curbs your stress, helps you control your levels, so it's actually really effective for that. Through all different types of consumption? Smoking, vaping, eating? Anything that you can ingest or inhale, yes. Interesting. Wow, this is a fascinating conversation, <laughs> right? Okay, so um, are there other personas? There's one more. Fun. <laughs> the last one is the CBD lover. So this is the person that like basically would buy a non-alcoholic beer mm -hmm. at the grocery store. They want all the fun, but without the buzz. They want the anti-inflammatory, they want the anti-anxiety effects, but they just, they don't want the psychoactive effects. Right. Um, and within the CBD lover category, there's the pet lover category because CBD pet tinctures yes. are now a thing. That's a, that is a drop down in there. Yes. By the way, in the interest of full disclosure, I am a CBD lover, like topically. So Wendy and I have been using, one of our friends has a CBD line. And at the old Wirebuzz office, we always had it on for people that, in, available for people that were having, experiencing some type of muscular pain. And I like, Wendy says, I either bathe in it or like drink it because I just put it all over after my workout and it allows me to continue to function without the muscle pain. Yeah. And the great thing about CBD, like that's a market in and of itself. And you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to Safeway and get a CBD tincture if you want to try it. Um, there is a difference though between the CBD you get at a dispensary and what you would get at a retail location. Um, legally, what you're going to get at Whole Foods is going to be hemp-based, mm -hmm. and hemp farming is like a whole different thing, whereas cannabis, you're going to get a little bit more of the full-spectrum benefits, and it's just a, a more precision-growing atmosphere that it's going to come from. Um, That's cool. Yeah. It's really an interesting time to be able to watch industries be born, watch marketers take their traditional marketing expertise and then kind of blend it into a new industry. Hey, quick question for you. Mm -hmm. Just dawned on me. Should we be considering doing a live Wirebuzz webinar for the CBD industry where we're talking about personas and video and journeys and tracking and how they could use it in their stores to be able to convince and convert faster. I definitely think we should make more content about this and help educate both the CBD and cannabis industry of how they can use some of our tactics. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go into B2B real quick because I think that really speaks to a lot of what we do. Okay, let me ask the audience one question though okay. real quick. Hey, before we get into that next thing, follow up with me on LinkedIn. Hit me in the DM if you think that us exploring how we could help these uh, cannabis-related businesses convince and convert better. 
would be a, would damage the WireBuzz brand with all of our medical clients. Now, the reason I bring this up is we service like, I don't know, off the top of my head, like 100 companies in the medical space help them better engage patients and physicians to create better outcomes. But my real question to you is, do we damage our overall company brand and maybe potentially lose clients by also being willing to help in the cannabis space? Drop your comments into, the, into a DM on LinkedIn. Hit me up, I'd love to hear from you. And then Kason, let's get back into this conversation. Sounds good. So B2B personas, you have manufacturers. So the people that make the products. Um, you have- What's the product that we're selling right now? Uh, it could be anything. It could be edibles. It could be pre-rolls. Oh, okay, because be I was thinking like maybe equipment that a grow facility would use. That's- You're actually thinking as a, as a consumer, how somebody that would be in, a, in consuming the product. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking more of like the, the brands that are making the okay. consumable products. Okay. So they're, they're a manufacturer in this case. Um, there's definitely technology manufacturing, like for grow facilities, like the the technologies, the the irrigation systems, right. the, like the plant advised, nutrients. We yeah. advised a company that has a device that they put their plants in, and it removes mold before the mold sweeps through and destroys an entire crop. We advised them on how to sell using different journeys to the grow manager, the chief financial officer, and I'm sure there was a third person, but by having different journey pages, like you know, we can help move people through the decision-making process if that information's hyper-relevant to their needs. Exactly, and I'm, I think that we're probably on the same page here because yeah. for like manufacturing, those brands that manufacture the products, if we were to do videos for the grow facility, we would want to tell the story of how is the flower grown, what products are used, how, how is the, the, the crop nourished, how is it cut, how is it trimmed, yeah. how is it treated before it makes it into their door so then they can put it into the pre-roll because that's all part of the consumer story yeah. that people care about. Where does their product come from? It's kind of like in, in uh, perishables. You know, People want to know where the meat comes from, yeah. where, how, the, how the vegetables are raised. So there's that. Um, the other thing is distribution. So kind of like in the alcohol industry, you have these uh, mid middle people distributors where the manufacturers of the product have a distributor that then takes it to all the retail locations throughout the state. Um, and then, of course, you have the retail locations, which are going to have those B2B cannabis buyers. They're looking for what products are in demand. How can we move these things off our shelves at the, the fastest rate with the best margins? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a curveball here, but okay. you know, that's part of what I do. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, um, Kaysen, if you were a brand, mm -hmm. a weed brand, doesn't matter what it is, um, and you were trying to get into more dispensaries, would you use a persona-based approach also in that process? Yes, um, I would. I would also use kind of more of a, an e-commerce, like, buy-in like sale discount type mm -hmm. of offer um, I actually used to work for a cannabis brand and that's one of the things that when you're trying to steal shelf space and you're trying to get yeah. a new product into stores you want to give somebody that like first-time purchase offer um, gotcha and I don't know if you're familiar with John Taffer who does like bar of rescue course. 
So, side note, one of my favorite uh, restaurant marketing strategies he talks about is the first time a couple comes in, right? You give them a red napkin. I love this. Yeah. Go ahead. Give them a red napkin so everybody knows that they're a first-time customer. At the end of their meal, a manager comes over, offers them a discount for their second meal. So then they come in, second meal shows the discount, you know it's the second time, puts a blue napkin down. So now everybody knows that it's the second time. Right. Same thing happens. You come again, give them a third time coupon. Third time visit. It's dessert. Yes. So it is. Third time visit, come, get the free dessert, give them a fourth time coupon. The philosophy here is if you can get somebody to buy from you four times, you now have a loyal customer. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of similar, I think, to what some dispensaries do, where they try to give you like, oh, it's your first time, here's like a coupon cord, yeah. come back a few times. But that's, that's the same thought process with buyers, too, is you have to create sort of a tiered buy-in of, okay, new product on the market, let's see how well it sells, give them a discount, see if it moves. You also want to help them, though, with like in-store demos and a lot of these branded assets, so how do you then market to customers in-store to support their purchase and really prove that ROI. Okay, I love everything you just said. Can we have a private conversation? And for those of you that are listening, just we're just gonna talk a little work for a second. Um, will you mind talking with Thomas on our team about the Taffer tactic for our vodka brand that we're working with? Absolutely. Okay, you, I saw the light bulb go on in your head. He uh, needs that and that client needs that strategy in getting into more locations, but there's a modification that would need to be made, but let's take that offline. There, there's another thing, which hopefully I'll just add a little value to you, um, QR codes and product packaging. So one of the other things that I was doing for this brand is we put a QR code on our pre-roll box. So that way when somebody goes in, they can scan it and get like custom feed, yeah. custom engagement materials from the brand. And so whether it's cannabis, whether it's any product-centric business, I think, QR cards are a really great way to send them yeah. custom comments or custom content, get them into the funnel. Maybe you have like email automation or something and just continue that customer journey post-sale. Now, historically, I've had a problem with QR codes. <laughs> like the adoption part, people weren't adopting it. And, pre and prior to COVID, I would have told you that the QR code is close to being taken out to the woodshed, bang, bang. But nothing like a pandemic and paper and hands and germs to get into the mix and resurrect a QR code. And it's good to see that people are using it. My favorite thing though, is when you're at dinner with family and you have to tech support everybody on their phone how to get into the QR code, <laughs> which then violates the whole germ thing because now everybody's touching everybody's phone to tech support them in order for them to order their first drink. Brings a meeting to COVID screening, right? Yes, it <laughs> sure does. He's Kaysen James, he's Wirebuzz's creative strategist. He sits on the strategy team with me and Oh, a good handful of the smartest digital marketing nerds you've ever met. And if you wanna get started, to learn how to sell remotely in this new world using the power of personas, customer journeys, video, backend tracking, so you can get all creepy and spy on people. The best place to get started, we've got 20 minutes where we're teaching some of our best strategies. You can watch it in video, share it with your team so you guys can pivot to remote sales in conjunction with face-to-face. -face. And the best place to go to get up to speed is wirebuzz.com 
forward slash remote dash sales. I do it one more time. Wirebuzz.com forward slash remote dash sales. Case and James, thanks for joining me on episode 420. Thanks, guys.